Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, uh, some of the most famous words Jesus ever spoke. And he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or seek first the kingdom of God and the way that God does things. How many know there's a way that God does things, huh? And how many know it's a little different than the way we do things at times, right? And he says, in all these things, now, if you'll read that chapter in your Bible, Matthew 6, you'll find out that he was talking about worry and provision and how are we going to eat, how are we going to live, how are we going to get close, how are we going to make it in Vegas in 2018. And he says, here's, here's the key to your own provision. Don't go after it. Go after me. Seek me and seek the way that I do things. And if you'll, if you'll live the way I live and if you'll live your life the way that I'm showing you, I'm going to make sure all those things, all those things you need, whatever those things are, and your things might be a little different than my things, but how many know we all got things? <laughs> he said, I'll make sure I get them to you. And by the way, when, when God gives you things, it's eternal. And if God gives it to you, man can't take it away. But how does God do it? How does... It's God's way of doing things. What's his righteousness? Well, it's very clearly found in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So I believe that as we live an open-handed life to God and to others, God then makes sure that we become a river of blessing for everyone around us. And you will have more than enough. It, it actually doesn't make sense, but it's called faith. It's called the kingdom of God. God says, I'll do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100%. Trust God. Jamin, it's scary to tithe. Yeah, it is scary to tithe at first, but then it just becomes a great adventure. And it starts with the tithe, but friend, if you'll start tithing, before you know it, you'll be giving 10.5%, 11%, 12%. More than that, uh, this year, 2017, my wife and I were so blessed. I, we, we just about gave, through savings and other things, we were able to give just about 100% of our income in 2017 back to the kingdom of God. And it didn't scare me for a second because I knew and I remember when God was faithful when we gave 10%. And I knew how he took care of me when we started giving 20%. And I knew how he took care of us when we started giving 30 so when we went all in with this church and really poured finances into it, it didn't scare me at all because if he was faithful with the 10, I knew he was going to be faithful with the more than 10. Oh, God is so faithful. Don't underestimate what Jesus can do with your generosity. And here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 7. He says, when you give, you give it to a man, but you don't really give it to a man. Jesus receives your offering. So you're not giving it to a church, and you're definitely not giving it to me. The moment that seed leaves your hand and goes into that bucket and starts going down the aisle, and the devil starts telling you a thousand other things you could have done with that money, hello, am I the only one? <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to take personal responsibility to make sure that gets back into your life exceedingly abundantly. 
Can I get some faith in the room? Can I get an amen, everybody? Let's just pray over the word. I'm going to preach uh, from the subject, I'm in his hand. I'm in his hand. Look at your neighbor, tell him, you are in his hand. I feel like that neighbor didn't get enough coffee this morning. Can you look at your other neighbor and say, you are in his hand. You are in his hand. Now, just tell the whole world, say, I'm in his hand. Come on, I'm in his hand. Oh, now you're, now you're excited about it. Okay, okay. I'm in his hand. The hand of the Lord is upon you, friend. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. I thank you that in Christ we are forgiven forever. I thank you for just what you've been speaking to us over the last two weeks. And I thank you for today's word. I'm so expectant for all you're going to say in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Here is Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Yet now he, this is Jesus, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. So because of what happened on the cross, as a result, as a result of the cross, as a result of what Jesus did for us on the cross, he brought you into his own presence. And here, here is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. Now, you don't feel it when you look in the mirror. Amen. Because <laughs> you know your faults. And your spouse doesn't always agree with this scripture because they know your faults. But let me tell you something. When God looks at you, he says you're holy, you're blameless, and without a single fault, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. So here's the next verse. But you must continue to believe this truth. you got to keep saying this truth, declaring this truth, confessing this truth, singing this truth. That's why it's good to get a song like, like the one that we sang today, Who You Say I Am. Get that song in your spirit. Get it on your playlist. It's worth the 99 cents, y'all, because it will change your life because you're now not just hearing the gospel on Sunday, but you're singing the gospel on Monday. And even when the devil tells you you're alone and you're rejected and God is mad at you, you can say, no, I am a child of God. Yes, I am. So you got to continue to believe it. Stand firmly in it. In what? In the finished work of Jesus. So we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And by the way, let me just say this because I haven't said this. When I rest in Jesus, it will make me work harder for others. <laughs> let me explain. We don't say, oh, we're resting in the finished work, so we never have to go to church or we never have to repent of our sin or we can just go do whatever we want. No, no, no. Because of what Jesus has done for us, this is what Paul said, I work harder than anybody but not I, the grace of God. In other words, because God's been so good to me, all I want to do is give my life to this message so that other people can hear it and receive it. So if you really believe this, it'll make you serve better. It'll make you a better spouse. It'll make you more generous. It'll make you sing louder. It'll make you happier. It'll set you free from worry, anxiety, and depression. Because I'm resting, I'm not performing for God. 
But now all it makes me want to do is give my life away so that other people can have this same hope. So every week, thank you for that. That's good. I felt your encouragement. Every week we've been looking at two statements from the cross. And we've gone through four so far. We're going to look at two more today. And then next week we're going to, we're going to end with it is finished. And then we're going to finish with communion. And it's going to be a beautiful service. We're really giving the whole service to just a special intimate moment of communion. We're going to even sing a little bit of extra worship. We're going to sing one more song of worship. And just really remember the Lord and stand in that finished work of Jesus. So next week's going to be beautiful. But we're going to look at two more words from the cross. Jesus said seven statements over six hours on the cross. Each statement has massive implications to our life and is, is just incredibly relevant to our own journey. And here's the fifth statement of the word of Jesus, and it is the word of humanity. The word of humanity if you're taking notes. And I always encourage you to take notes. The Bible says if you take notes, your mansion in heaven gets bigger and bigger. With every word is another thousand square feet to your mansion. But you got to read it in the Greek and in the Hebrew to know that. But since I'm a pastor, I'm teaching you. All right. Jesus said, John 19, 28 and 29, I thirst. I thirst. I thirst. Verse 29. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine or vinegar, and they put it on a hyssop branch. Hyssop is a kind of plant. It's a kind of tree. So they would have, they would have wrapped this hyssop branch in a piece of cloth. They would have dipped it in the vinegar, and then they would have put it on the lips of Jesus. And they put it to his mouth. Jesus said, I thirst. This is the word of humanity. Now, you've got to know this right off the bat, that at the very beginning of the cross, six hours earlier, Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh. Do I don't know if you remember that. And he rejected it. And the reason he rejected it is because myrrh was a drug. It was uh, a painkiller. And now the Romans didn't give the, the, the people on the cross myrrh because they were nice. It was just that normally it would take at least three days to die on a cross. Think about this. Three days to die on a cross. This is why, oh man, this is so powerful. Huh. So it would normally take a person three days to die on a cross. Jesus died in six hours. And theologians tell us that the very weight of sin and the very emotional pain of sin that was brought upon Jesus was so great and the work was finished that he did not have to go any longer than that. But what they would do is they would literally drug these guys on the cross because it really just got annoying after a while as they were screaming in pain. And so they began to drug them right at the beginning of the cross. Jesus rejected that. Why? Because he said, I will not go through this price of salvation medicated. I'm going to experience every ounce of pain to pay the full price for you and me. He could have been drugged up and drunk on the cross, and it would have relieved the pain, but it wouldn't have finished the work. Jesus said, I'm going to reject that at the beginning of the cross. 
so that he could feel the full wrath emotionally, physically, and spiritually of the Father in order to pay the price for our sins. But now as Jesus' life is ending and he's about to give up his spirit. By the way, no one took his life. He gave up his life. As he's about to do this, he says, I'm thirsty. And this is where we really experience Jesus as a man. See, never forget this. Jesus is 100% God. And he is 100% man. Jesus is 200%. (laughs) He's fully God and he's fully man. But in this moment, we see his humanity. We see that he feels what we feel, craves what we crave, and is going through what we've gone through. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now, listen to this. Jesus was God in eternity. Amen? But God, John 4, is spirit. And you can't crucify spirit. Spirit can't shed blood. So Jesus became a man. Instead of, he gave up his divine privileges as a spirit, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus became a man and Jesus has felt every single emotion, temptation, and struggle that any other man might feel. The creator of water now needs water. The one who had authority to walk on water now needs water. The one who is the living water now needs water. Why? Because he took on the form of a servant so that when you pray and you say, God, I'm hurting, he could say, I've hurt too. God, I'm confused. I've been confused too. God, I don't know where to turn. I've been right where you are. But here's the difference. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 4 is going to come up on the screen. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. In other words, every time you pray, Jesus does not roll his eyes, shrug his shoulders, and say, well, they just need to get over it. No. He empathizes with our weakness. Why? Because he has been tempted in every way, just as we are. But, whoo, here's the good news. But he did not sin. So when he was tempted, he didn't give in to it. When he was hurting, he didn't give in to hatred. When he was being spit upon, he didn't give in to unforgiveness and bitterness. When God told him to fast, he was able to fast. When God told him to pray, he was able to pray. When God told him whatever it was, why? He, he did not Sin And so here's the, here's the awesome thing about Jesus. He understands what you're going through, but he also has the power to get you over it. Isn't that awesome? So he doesn't just go, yeah, man, me too, that's painful. No, no, he says, okay, but I overcame. 
and I'm going to teach you how to overcome. And when you don't overcome, I'm going to be there anyway. <laughs> because I'm not surprised by your weakness, and I'm not surprised by your failures. I saw it a long way off, and that's why I died on the cross. So, so now because I know this, here's verse 16. So I approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because when I go to God and say, God, I messed up, he doesn't go, what, you did? You know nothing's ever occurred to God? I just thought. No! <laughs> Nothing has ever surprised God. God, I messed up, you did, oh, I'm me, what do I do? No. He's able to empathize. Thank you for that one person who got my joke. OM me, not OMG. Okay, well, let's keep going. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I can confidently go to God when I've made a mistake. And I can receive mercy and find grace. So when I go to God, I find two things, mercy and grace. See, mercy is not getting what I do deserve. But grace is getting what I don't deserve. Do I need to say that again for my note takers who are going to heaven? Okay, mercy is not getting what I do deserve. But grace is getting what I don't deserve. Wow. So it's not God just going, oh, I forgive you. It's God saying, I forgive you, and now I'm going to bless you. And I find help. In my time of need. So Jesus, a man on the cross, is now gracious and empathetic because he's felt what we felt. See, when you receive Jesus, I said this week one, but I, I want to review a little bit. When you receive Jesus, you got saved, friend, born again. On your way to heaven as if you're already there. You, your spirit got washed in the blood of Jesus. You're wholly blameless without fault. You're saved. But sometimes your body doesn't know that. <laughs> what do I do when my body doesn't know it's a Christian? <laughs> Can I get a witness? When you're driving and they cut you off and your one of your fingers forgets it's a Christian. <laughs> Die in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you do, fellas, when you're walking through the mall and your eyes forget that you're a Christian and that girl? I've been tempted. So has Jesus, but he didn't sin. And he's not surprised by my temptations because he goes, I've been tempted too. I remember what that felt like, but I can give you grace and power to overcome. So I have cravings, I have temptations, I have emotions, I, I have a sex drive, we have memories. I mean, no, one smell can bring you back to something. One song can bring back a negative emotion. One thought, one movie lyric, one... So we have all this. Spiritually, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, yes I am. But my body and my soul, they're... I'm still under construction. I, my body looks like the 15 right now by Charleston Exit. 
It's a mess, baby. My mind is still being worked on by the Spirit of God. I'm still renewing my mind to the Word of God. But I know where I can run in my time of need. And by the way, you don't have to run to God just when you sin. You can run to God before you sin. <gasps> Novel idea. Because God said run to Him in your time of need. That means on the way to the casino, you can stop and go, God, I'm about to screw things up. Let's talk. You can go to Him before. You make the mistake, and he'll give you grace, and he'll give you mercy to say, turn the car around. Call a friend. Come on, who wants to be a millionaire? Phone a friend and say, I'm about to blow my paycheck. Then my wife's going to kill me. And they can help you because God said, I'm going to give you grace and mercy in the time of need because I felt those temptations of greed and I felt those temptations of risk and I felt those temptations of lust, but, but I never gave into them and I can teach you how to overcome. Huh. Psalm 103, 14 says, God knows that we're just dust and he's gracious and he's kind. But see, it was in that hyssop plant that something else happened. I don't know if you remember in Exodus 12, the Bible said that the door must be covered in blood so that that spirit of death would pass over. And the Bible said that you couldn't just anoint the door with blood. It had to be put on with a hyssop branch. Now the hyssop branch, John 10, is touching the door. <laughs> I'm the door. John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> and it was in the hyssop plant touching the door, <laughs> covered in the blood, through what Jesus did for us that now death passes over. And friend, we can get to a point where temptation and sin can pass over where, yes, you're still going to have moments of weakness, but you don't have to live in a constant battle of that stronghold the rest of your life. Why? Because the hyssop branch was applied to the door. And now it can pass over. And you can be free. And some of you go, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I'm going to have this addiction forever. And God says, no. You can... You can be set free. Huh. It's the word of humanity. And I'm, I'm so grateful God did not come just as a spirit. But I'm so grateful He came as a man. Because He knows how I feel. And He knows what fear feels like. And He knows what negative emotions feel like. And He knows what temptation feels like. And now he can walk with me through it. Can I get an amen? Anybody grateful for it? Amen. Number two. Number two is the word of confidence. The word of confidence. Luke chapter 23, verse 45 through 46. And it says this. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down from the middle. 
Then Jesus shouted, Father. Hey, last week he called him God. But now the price has been paid. And now he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Even in a dark place, in a painful place, I can trust God. Hey, I don't know, I don't know what cross you feel like you're on today. You can trust God. Maybe you feel like you're on a cross of sickness and disease. Maybe you feel like you're on a cross of struggle. Maybe you feel like you're on a cross of, of unanswered prayers and you're going, where do I go? You go right back to the Father. You can trust Him. You can trust your Father and you can live with supernatural confidence even in the most painful moments. See, when Jesus said, I entrust my spirit into your hands, this was actually a classic Hebraic prayer. This is something children and parents would have prayed, and uh, keys can come up. This is something children and, and parents would have prayed as they went to bed, kind of like, you know, now I lay my down to sleep, you know, that kind of thing. This was something they would have prayed at night before they went to bed, and they would have said, God, I trust my life, and I put it in your hands. It was, a, it was a classic prayer. Remember when, when Stephen was being martyred in Acts 7 and he prayed basically this same prayer? So it was something that would have probably been in Jesus' nightly routine. God, I give my life to you. See, some of y'all come on Sundays and you pray the sinner's prayer every Sunday. Stop praying the sinner's prayer every Sunday and start praying a prayer of trust and surrender every day. God, I surrender. I put my life in your hands. God, I surrender. I, I entrust my spirit into your hands. God, I, I take my life out of my hands and I place it in your hands. But Jabin, can I trust God even when the sun isn't shining? Yes. Can I trust God even when it feels like I'm on a cross? Yes. Can I trust God in my most painful seasons? Yes. Huh. I can have great confidence even in a dark place. See, I think sometimes there's seasons of great faith in God. You're just excited and you're believing and you're and you're happy and you're woo and you're and you and, and your faith is. And then sometimes, and some of you are there right now. Here's what, here's what I love about church, Pastor Mitch. On, this, on, on any given row, there are people who have never been better. And, they, and their faith, and they're on a mountaintop, and they're just, and right next to them, and they don't even know it. There's someone who has never experienced the pain they're currently experiencing. And to you, I may not be able to shout at you, have faith in God, but I can beg you, keep trusting God. Even if it's dark. Even if you've been hurt. Even if you're weary. Trust Him. Let me give you three things as we end. Number one, know that God is a good father.
Jesus did not say, God. He said, Father. And this word in the Hebrew Greek language is Abba. The closest thing we have to it is what my little 16-month baby girl said, Dada. Daddy. Dad. Not Father. Hello, Father. No, it's Dada. Abba. Know that God is good today, friend. He's a good Father. He loves you. He cares for you. He's trustworthy. I, I want to encourage someone who had, a, who, who had a challenging relationship with their father. I want to challenge you this week not and, and God is very big, okay, so he can handle what I'm about to say. I would challenge you this week, don't talk to Holy Spirit, don't talk to Jesus. For one week, talk to Father. Because it's probably going to really hurt at the beginning of the week. And by the end of the week, you're going to be saying, Abba. Man, I don't know why I'm so emotional. What do I do when I'm on a cross? Father! What do I do when it feels like the lights have gone out and I'm in a dark place? Dad. Dad, I trust you. Number two, uh, number one, know that God is a good father. Number two, trust him even when you cannot trace him. Some of you during worship, you felt the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Some of you didn't. Trust Him. Even when you can't tra trace Him. He said this, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. I commit my spirit. This is actually a term for like a safety deposit box. <laughs> so you take your most valuable possession, you go to a bank. And you entrust it to the bank because you know they got good security systems and they got good safes and they got, they got cops and they got cameras. And, and you know that the safest place for that watch or that family heirloom is not in your house, it's in the bank's house. Dad? Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm really not trying to... Ah. Dad, I, here's my pain. Dad, here's, here's my weakness. Dad, oh, I don't know what to do with my marriage anymore. Here's my marriage. I entrust it. I put it in the safety deposit box of heaven. And I lay it before the Father. I commit it. I love this. Here's another Greek definition. Commit it to one's charge. God, I can't be in charge of this thing anymore. So I place it. I entrust it. God, I got some questions. Father, I'm dealing with success on a level I've never dealt with it. And I don't want to get prideful. God, I got some worry. I got some purity issues. I got some money questions. I... I got this child that I don't really know how to raise because I've never really been in this season. So I entrust. 
So the great apostle Peter said it like this, cast your cares on him. Because he cares for you. Number three, put your life in his hands. See, Jesus' pain, the pain that Jesus endured on the cross, it had a purpose. It was to save humanity. Not all pain has a purpose. In other words, sometimes we experience pain because God didn't cause it. God didn't want it. It's just the devil. It's, it's just the fallen world. See, you got to know this about me and Pastor Mitch. We, we reject anything Jesus died for. So we... We reject sickness, we reject disease, we reject poverty, we reject addiction, we reject strongholds, because if Jesus paid the price for me to be set free from I don't accept it. So I think pain is overrated by a lot of Christians. Because if it's, if it's painful, it's not from God. So this pain, it was from God because it was judgment. But how many of you know, even though I just said all that, how many know we still go through pain? So the pain I'm experiencing may not have a purpose. Listen, but I can still give it an assignment. So I walked through this thing and I hated it. And I believe it was from the devil. And by the grace of God, he helped me overcome it. But I'm now going to assign it. And it's now going to be a part of my testimony. And I'm going to be able to look at people and say... God helped me. And God can help you. So I refuse to die in my pain. And instead I decide to entrust it back to God. And I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds Tomorrow, so I'm placing my life in his hands. When I, was, when I was just a little kid, I hope they're singing it over there. We used to sing, he's got the whole world. Y'all remember that? In his hands. But he doesn't just have the whole world in his hands. He's got me on his hand. Isaiah 49, verse 16. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. If that was written in 2018, God would have said, I got a tattoo of you right on my hand. And every time I look down, there you are. How, how dare you say I forgot about you? I can't forget about you. You're everywhere I look. Don't say you're all alone every time I look down, there you are. And every time Father looks at his hands, there we are. And every time Jesus looks at his hands, there's a scar in each hand. I'm going to put my life in the hand of the one who has my name on his hand. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to live in confidence no matter the season. Because I trust Him. I think this is probably the first week I've ever done this, but if 
if you're if you're in a fight today, can I have a time? I don't know what time it is. Okay, so I'm late. It was inevitable, huh? Javen, I'm in a dark place, or I'm I'm just hurting. And I need I need Father today. Can I just see your hand? I want to pray for you. Can I see your hand? If your hand's raised, stand up on your feet real quick. I want to pray for you. Go ahead, stand. Go ahead. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Just. And now can you just open your hands to God, just kind of like you're receiving a gift. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you that we can trust you. Even if sometimes we can't quite trace you. Your word says you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. So even if I can't always feel it, I know it. Because you said it and that settles it. God, I'm praying today for a fresh wind of confidence to come upon my brothers and sisters. And I pray they would never forget this day. I pray this day would change their life forever. In the name of Jesus.